You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. Is everybody going to be saved? Is everyone going to be saved? And what we're going to do is just think really about three questions. So what am I being saved from? How can I be saved? And who will be saved? So we'll we'll jump straight in then to our first question. So uh, our our first one is then, what am I being saved from? Now, I've got quite a few passages on screen. Uh, We won't turn up all of the passages today. Uh, If you'd like a copy of the slides afterwards, uh, I'm more than happy to share that with you. So our first verse is taken from a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians. And he says this. Now, this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So I think it's fair to say all of us would agree that we're flesh and blood. That's what we're made up of. And in the state that we are, we are not able to enter in to the kingdom of God. And the reason for that is, as the Apostle Paul says in Romans, just a little earlier on from that reading that Adam took in chapter three, he says that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we've got a picture up on screen there of a man uh, looking particularly uh, unhappy and displeased. Uh, He's been out shooting arrows and every single time he's missed the mark. Uh, And that's what sin means. Sin means to miss the mark. And if we think about the glory of God for a moment, it's God's character uh, and it's the way that God uh, conducts himself. Uh, And if we think about the Lord Jesus Christ, he was the perfect example of the character of God. Uh, And the Lord Jesus Christ in his life never missed the mark. He never sinned. He, He never came short of what God wanted him to do. So every time in our lives that we're not like the Lord Jesus Christ and we do something amiss, we're missing the mark. We are sinning. We're coming short because you may say, well, I've never killed anybody. You know, I've never gone and, uh, you know, done something I shouldn't do. I've never stolen anything from a shop. I've I've never sinned. You know, I'm I'm a good person. But I bet all of us at some point have told a little white lie. We may have done something that was amiss, you know, not done what mum and dad have said or whatever it might be. However small it might be, we've all at some point in our lives missed the mark. And the other point is that we're all flesh and blood. So in the, in, in the situation that we are, we cannot inherit um, the kingdom of God. And as you said, then sin is about missing the mark. And sin entered into the world because of disobedience. We won't turn there now, but um, let, actually, let's just turn up. We're going to look at one verse together. So come with me to Genesis chapter three. So God has made the world uh, in, in the first two chapters of Genesis as recorded for us. And, and when we come to chapter three, we have Adam and Eve breaking a covenant or a promise, a, a commandment that God had given to them. And the commandment's there in chapter two and at verse 16. They're placed in the Garden of Eden and they can eat freely, verse 16, of any tree in the garden except for one. And God says to them, if you eat of that tree, then you will surely die. Not there and then. Not that they didn't drop down dead the moment they ate of the tree, but they became a dying creature. And the punishment of that sin, as we said, was death. And as we see at the end of verse 17 of chapter 2, it says, Dying thou shalt die. That's what the Hebrew is there. That they would experience what it was like 
to start buying. And, and, and all of us can experience that, can't we? The aches and pains come in, uh, we're a little bit older, and we, and we start this dying process. In chapter three, then, they break the commandment, sorry, they break the, the command that God gave to them because they believe a serpent rather than believing almighty God. And verse six of Genesis chapter three, the woman saw the tree was good for food. It was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also to her husband. So both of them broke this command that God had given them. And so because of that, they then became dying creatures. They tried to make a covering for themselves and, and that doesn't work. And God then pronounces a curse upon them. But before the curse is pronounced, he makes a provision. Have a look at verse 15. He's talking to the serpent and he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and you will bruise his heel. We have then two groups. We have the serpent and we have the woman. And it's talking about the things that each group would bring into the world. The serpent brought in sin because uh, he enticed the woman to eat. His seed was to bring sin into the world. And of course, then the woman would then bring children into the world. And you'll notice at the end of verse 15, it says, and you will bruise his heel it's talking about one particular individual now we don't have time to look at this in a huge amount of detail today but the ultimate seed of the woman is the lord jesus christ and what sin would do is he would get bruised in the head it will bruise your head and we think about the work of the lord jesus christ on the cross he brought an end to sin and to death and in doing that his heel was bruised because that nail went through his hands and his feet and he was bruised as he hung upon the cross. So before a pronouncement of death it is put upon the woman and upon the husband, a promise is made that there would be a way of salvation that would come through the Lord Jesus Christ. So the question is then, how then can I be saved? Well, it's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's all about baptism. So come with me to that reading that Adam uh, read for us from Romans chapter 6. Because what we have to do is we have to associate ourselves with the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and you would have noticed that as Adam was reading it for us. So what the Apostle Paul's been doing in Romans, as we said, he's been talking about how we're all under the curse of sin and death. We, we all fall short to uh, Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. So he says then, uh, verse 1 of chapter 6, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Now, what he's been saying to them in chapter five is, look, under the Lord Jesus Christ and through the Lord Jesus Christ, we can have grace, we can have forgiveness for our sin. So a question would be, well, shall I continue in sin so I can get lots and lots of grace? Well, well, of course not. No, God forbid. You're not going to continue in sin. You've got to try and stop doing sin. How shall we, verse two, that are dead to sin, live any longer therein? No, you not. That so many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. But like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So you've got to put your old life behind you. Just as the Lord Jesus Christ died and rose again in symbol. That's what baptism is like. It's about going down into death 
and being raised again in the newness of life. Uh, and in Romans, uh, in Ephesians chapter four, the Apostle Paul describes it in a slightly different way. He says that we leave our old man or old woman behind and we start a new life as a, as a new man. As he said then, as we read, we are crucified. We didn't actually read it, sorry, verse six. Let's read verse five for connection. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. So what we're doing is we're associating ourselves with the death of the Lord Jesus Christ through baptism and the body of sin that we have is being destroyed. And the same thing had to happen to the Lord Jesus Christ. Have a look at verse nine. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dies no more. Death had no more dominion over him. So the Lord Jesus Christ never sinned. But we read, didn't we, in 1 Corinthians 15, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. In the state that the Lord Jesus Christ was, even though he was sinless, he had to die because death had dominion over him. Because he was made in the likeness of Adam. And then verse 10, for in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Uh, and then he concludes, doesn't he? And, and you would have noticed as Adam was reading, it's all about making this choice that this is how we were before. This is how we can be after going through the waters of baptism. And we have to decide first. Have a look at verse um, 16. Know you not that to whom you yield yourselves as servants to obey his servants ye are to whom ye will obey whether unto sin uh, unto death or obedience unto righteousness it, it's about making a choice which one do you want to do but the old way of life or a new way of life in the lord jesus christ but god be thanked verse 17 that you were the servants of sin but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine and we've been made free from sin verse 18 and another look at verse 23 for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so I, I put a ladder up on screen. And, and the reason I do that is because baptism is the first step. It's about recognizing that you are sinful, that you have a life that is not in accordance with God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And what you're saying is, is I want to walk uh, a new life with the Lord Jesus Christ and with God as my father. I want to put my old life behind and I want to start a new life in the Lord Jesus Christ. So that I can have the gift of eternal life. So in order to be saved, you have to be baptized. And, and the reason for that is it's a commandment of God. God tells us that, that if we don't get baptized, we cannot be saved. Because what baptism does is it shows our commitment and our dedication to God, that we are prepared to leave our old life behind, that we are prepared to give up certain things in life so that we can follow a life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have to leave our old life behind and be freed from sin. And also baptism is the key to salvation. Have a look at this verse. It may be familiar to us. Mark chapter 16, some words of the Lord Jesus Christ. He that believes and 
is baptised shall be saved. There may be lots of people in the world who believe, yep, I, I believe in a God. I, I believe that there's a, a superpower, if we can call it that, in the world. Uh, and, and that's great. I'm going to go about my life. I'm going to be a good person. Uh, and that's enough. Well, no, that's not enough. Because he that believes and is baptised shall be saved. We can't pick and choose the bits that we like. We've got to do both. We have to make that commitment. But he um, that believeth not shall be condemned. So we've got to do both. Belief is great, and that's very important. Of course it is. But you've got to be baptised. You've got to show that commitment to God. And this verse from Romans chapter 10. Romans 6, you can turn up there if you want to. But uh, he says in Romans chapter, six, uh, Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And you'll see the point coming out again about um, believing that God has raised the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. What's the point of saying you believe it if you're not prepared to go through with it and commit yourself to that uh, through baptism? You've got to do both. Uh, and, and it's absolutely paramount that you believe that the Lord Jesus Christ has been raised and that you associate yourself um, with his death. So who then will be saved? So that's how we're saved through baptism. But that it doesn't end there, as we said. It's about a life of commitment. And I want us in our last few minutes just to look at some parables of the Lord Jesus Christ. So come with me uh, to Matthew 24 for a moment. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount, as it's known. And Jesus is talking about what's going to happen before he returns back to the earth. So the Lord Jesus Christ, after his death and resurrection, he spent 40 days with his disciples and was taken up uh, in the clouds and is currently sat down at the right hand of God, waiting for the day when he will return. And he's talking to them about being ready. Have a look at verse 44. Therefore, be also ready. For in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man comes. And I have a daughter who's five years old, and every day she says to me, Daddy, is Jesus coming back today? So I don't know. I don't, I don't know when he's coming back. She said to me the other day, I think he's coming back on March the 12th. And I said, fine. He may well do. He may well come back on March the 12th, but he might not. If you wanted to come back on March the 12th, he wouldn't want to, because that's the day that you're expecting. But the point is this, isn't it? We've got to be ready. But it'll be like little children every day. Daddy, I want to be in the kingdom. Fantastic. So do I. But we don't know when it's going to come. What we do know, and, and this is for another talk, he is going to come. And we've got to be ready. Verse 45. Who then is a faithful and wise servant? And he asked that question. Who's faithful and who's wise? Who's going to be in the kingdom? And he answers this question in chapter 25. And there are three parables in chapter 25, we have the parable of the ten virgins, which is from verse 1 um, through to uh, 13. We have the parable of the talents from verse 14 to 30. And then we have the parable of the sheep and the goat from verse 31 to the end of the chapter. Now, we have about uh, three minutes, so we're not going to look at them in great detail. But we're just going to pick up on some key points. So with the ten virgins, just cast your eyes down as we look through this chapter. There are five who are wise and there are five who are foolish and they are waiting for the bridegroom to come. They're waiting like a picture of the kingdoms, like a picture of a wedding. And there are these bridegroom, these bridesmaids who are waiting 
for the bridegroom to come. They're waiting for the Lord Jesus Christ. And they, all of them, have oil in their lap. And oil speaks about the word of God. So all of them have the word of God in their life. But the difference is that the, the, the wise virgins have oil in their lamps and in their vessels. So they've got spare that they're stocking up. And you'll notice in verse five that all of them slumbered and slept. The difference between these two groups of people is the word of God. That the five who were foolish didn't have enough of the word of God in their life. It wasn't important enough to them that they carried extra in their vessels. And, and, and you'll see the point. So when the cry of the bridegroom comes, they have to go and get more oil because their lamps have gone out. The bridegroom comes and they go into the wedding. And then in verse 11, the others come and knock on the door and say, Lord, Lord, open to us. He says, I'm sorry. I, I don't know who you are. I've never met you before. Well, well, I was waiting for you on the side of the road for ages. I'm sorry. You weren't there when I came. I, I don't know who you are. So we've got to make sure that we have enough oil in our lamps. We need to be prepared and take in the word of God. It's about preparation. It's not about predicting when the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come and just put your, your lamp on at the last minute. We've got to make sure that we are shining all the time because we don't know when the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come. The next parable from verse 14, just cast your eyes down, is about a man who goes into a far country and calls three of his servants together. And he gives each of them uh, a number of talents, verse 15. One to five, he gives another one two, and another one one. The one who has five talents goes out and makes five talents more. And the, 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 the husbandman comes back. He says, I have five, I've got to make five more. And he says to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things, verse 21. I'll make you faithful over many things, entering the joy of the Lord. Well done. You've used your talent well. I, I gave you a provision, you've gone and worked and, and you've provided something as a result of what I've given you. The same thing with the man who had two. He went out and made two more. So the same thing. You've been faithful over many things. I will make you ruler uh, in the kingdom, enter into the joy of the Lord. And then there was the man who only had one. And he did absolutely nothing about it. He said what he did, he said, well, do you know what? I've only got one talent. My master's not very kind. He's not very nice. He's an austere man and he reaps where he hasn't sowed. And the Lord Jesus talks to him and he said to him, you wicked and slothful servant, verse 26. You knew that I reaped where I had not sowed and gathered where I had not strawed. You ought us therefore to put my money into the exchanges. And then at my coming, I would at least receive mine back with usury. If that's what you really think about me, Jesus says, at least do something. Just to put the money in the bank. So at least you've got something extra from the talent that I gave you. You see, we're all different, aren't we? We all have different talents, different abilities, different uh, attributes that God has given us. We need to use them in the best possible way. If we think we're useless, then we'll be useless. But God doesn't think we're useless at all. He just wants us to give something back. He didn't get cross at the man who only got two talents and only had two more saying, well, your friend's gone and got five. He's happy with what we do. We've just got to work with the things that we have because knowledge brings responsibility we don't have a, a time to go through all those verses now but all we have to make sure is that we work with the talents that we have that we can say we have faith if we don't do anything about it 
then our faith is dead. And then just finally, have a look at the parable of the sheep and the goats. And what we what we see is that Christ again coming in his kingdom and he separates, just as a shepherd would do, his sheep from the goats. Sheep on the right hand, goats on the left hand side. And this is all about what God knows from our heart. So he says to the goats, uh, sorry, he says to the sheep, verse 34, then shall the king say to them on the right hand, come be blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. Naked and he clothed me. I was sick and he visited me. I was in prison and he came unto me. Then they shall answer and say, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered or, or fed thee or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee in sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say, Verily, verily, I say unto you, inasmuch as you've done it unto the least of these my brethren, you have done it unto me. Now, we've never had the opportunity to go and give some clothes to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not going to happen, is it? He's not on earth right now. I'll use Adam as an example as he's up in the front row. If I go and give a cup of water to Adam, I'm doing it to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying, I'm not saying you're the least of the brethren, by the way, Adam, but, you're, but you'll see the point. The, the point is, even in the smallest things that we do one for another, it's like we're doing it to the Lord Jesus Christ. So we've got to go out and do good things because of what God has done for us. On the flip side, the goats turn around and say, well, we've never seen you uh, at all. So how could we've done these things? And he says to them, verse 45, verily, verily, I say unto you, as much as you've not done it, unto the least of these, you have not done it unto me. You've done nothing at all. You've not even bothered to do anything because of what I have done for you. And so because of that, you are not able to enter in to the kingdom of God. And the point is this, isn't it? It's about doing things without even realising what we are doing. The sheep didn't even recognise they'd done it for Christ. They did it because they wanted to. Uh, and that is the point, isn't it? That we have to go about doing good things because of what God has done for us and because we want to do it for the Lord Jesus Christ. And just finally then, uh, just for a concluding thought, we, we've seen, haven't we, that in Adam all die, even so in Christ all can be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, and afterward they are Christ's at his coming. And hopefully we've seen a little bit about how we can be like the Lord Jesus Christ, and he recognises that at his coming. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at bt 
at cdvideo.org. If you enjoyed the episode, then please share it with others. Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen. Thank you.